We are here. We are here at the Jeremy Johnson stuff. Wow. Finally. It's been quite a ride <laughs> so far. I know that was a ton of background. I know that and I apologize, but it will really help as we get to this yeah. next stuff. I actually got a warning from a lawyer today oh. saying, wow, uh, be really careful. You're going to be really upsetting a lot of people telling the truth. So am I scared? You bet. You bet I'm yes. scared. And because of that, and to protect the guilty, <laughs> I am going to not refer to names of Jeremy's defense lawyers. I'm just going to call them one, two, three, and four. Okay. And five. Okay. I'm just going to refer to them by number. And I say the guilty, not that they've committed any crimes. I'm not suggesting that, but I don't think... Well, I'm going to let you guys all decide for yourselves. I'm just going to tell this. Tell this. And this is my version of the story. Right. Okay. Right? So this is and you're my sticking perspective. To, you're sticking to facts that you've gathered. Yes. And you're yes. sticking to stuff that's public information, correct? So far. Nope. Not now. Not now. Okay. Now that we're on Jeremy's stuff, Jeremy has given me permission to tell his case. So it's a whole new level, whole new game we're playing now. Oh, okay. Okay. Saddle up your cowboys because I'm not kidding. You are in for a wild ride from A to Z. This case is crazy like a movie. I couldn't make this stuff up. Okay. So I finished the attorney general investigation and now I'm like a free agent, right? Okay. I'm a I'm self-employed. I'm an independent contractor, so I can work for whoever hires me, whoever okay. I agree to work for. And remember, I had met Karen, Jeremy's assistant, yes, during the house investigation, and she was very helpful in getting us a lot of recordings. After the house investigation ended for us twice, <laughs> right, because of the two firings, mm -hmm. uh, Karen said, you know, you really should meet Jeremy. He'd like to meet you now. And now that I wasn't working for the state, I could meet him. I was under no restriction any longer. Okay. So when I went to St. George again, I did meet Jeremy. And I was really surprised because usually when I meet a defendant that is facing, oh my gosh, I've shared this before in other episodes. I have clients that have committed suicide right. because of the stress right. of facing criminal charges. So... I kept saying to Karen, is Jeremy depressed? Is he like, what's going on? Because my clients that committed suicide had like one agency coming after them, like the, the state police, the county police, okay. the, or the, the feds, the DEA's office. Or it, like This, in Jeremy's case, let me tell you the agencies that were coming after Jeremy Johnson. Okay. The FTC. Which is? Federal Trade Commission. Okay. They came in and seized all of his assets, all of his money, his bank accounts, seized everything. Okay. And this is how the government works. This is how it worked then. Now the laws are different. They actually changed the day that the jury came back on Jeremy's case and on his trial. Mm -hmm. The U.S. Supreme Court made a ruling that said when someone is facing charges that they need to be allowed access to their money to defend themselves. Okay, okay. And he was not, because this was... He was not. Okay. So they seized millions, tens of millions, in cash from accounts okay. and assets. The houses, the helicopters, the airplanes, the houseboat. Okay. I showed pictures of the houseboat that the, the Attorney General had used, John Swallow. 
when I say houses, there was a house in Santa Monica. They're like, they seized everything. Okay. And then they charged him criminally. And that's kind of how the government used to work. They would go in and charge people civilly first. To lock you down. And take all of your assets. Okay. And then they would charge you criminally. And they did it that way, not by accident. They did it on purpose. Because when they take all of your money, then you can't afford the big fancy defense lawyers to defend yourself. So then you're stuck getting a public defender. Okay. I'm not saying that public defenders suck. No. some Some of them are very good. Right. But do I believe that things would have worked out differently if he'd had access to his money? Totally. Okay. Totally. I don't even think there would have been a trial. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So when I meet Jeremy, his assets are all gone. Okay. They've taken everything. So the, the FTC was going after him, the FBI, the U.S. Attorney's Office. Let's see. Of course, the House investigation had been investigating their part. The Federal Election Commission. So there, there are five agencies. Wow. Oh, the IRS. Oh, the IRS. Six oh, of wow. them. Oh, wow. Okay. Six. And of the six, five are federal. Wow. Okay. My clients that have committed suicide had one. I just want to help you put that in perspective. Right. Had one. And when I got involved, he was now facing 86 felonies. Jeez Louise. Okay. It's a lot. It's ridiculously like, a lot. Like... Like, yeah. mind-boggling a lot. Yeah. Okay. It is. Now, remember in the last episode when I said that I made a mention that Mark Shirtliff had suggested in the, the recording that I'd obtained that he had suggested to Jeremy one strategy he could do for this is to make a plea deal, accept a plea deal, and then when he gets to court that he all of a sudden blows up the plea deal. Oh, yeah. Okay. That is exactly what happened prior to my getting involved. You asked Karen about his stability because he yeah. just gone through you. He was like, oh my gosh, he's got six agencies after him. How is he feeling? Is he depressed? Exactly. Like, how can he survive this? Mm-hmm. Like, she said, no, he, he's okay. And I thought, oh, she's not reading her, the room very well. She must not be because I've never had any client facing the charges that isn't struggling right. with depression. Right. And, and then I met Jeremy and I was like, wow, I must agree with Karen. I think he's okay. Really? Okay. Jeremy is a very optimistic person. And again, I can't, I would love to have Jeremy participate in this, but he cannot. Okay. When I met, he's actually very optimistic and he's like, Hey, you know what? There is no way that they would convict me because when they look at the facts of everything, Mm -hmm. it won't work. It just won't work. They're not going to be able to prove that we did something that we didn't do. And I was like, oh man, I, I don't know if I agree with that. So before I got involved, there had been a plea deal that Jeremy had agreed to plead guilty. And then in the courtroom, it all blew up. It hit the media. It was a huge deal. And it wasn't until later that I learned what really happened in that plea deal and here it is. In the news, we were hearing that there was a change of plea. Okay. And I, like I said, I wasn't part of the plea deal at that time. Mm-hmm. But whenever you do a plea deal, usually you're meeting with the prosecutor and your okay. attorney to do the deal. And Jeremy's case was like no exception. As part of this meeting, Jamie was there. Jamie is, he's the guy that is the equivalent of me on the other side. He was like oh, their okay. lead. He isn't a detective. He's actually an IRS agent. Oh, yeah. Because initially, 
they thought that he had not paid his taxes on all right, that money. Right, right. But yeah. he had. But Jamie, he had actually called a couple people trying to, in my opinion, to alter their statement. And the prosecutors were doing some of that stuff too. And in the first detention hearing, when they first arrested Jeremy, mm-hmm. you have to have an affidavit every time you do a search warrant or anything that you're asking the government to do. You've got to have a statement. And Jamie testified, he actually testified that he didn't do an investigation, that they were relying on the FTC information. Remember, oh. it, was the, it was the FTC that came in and seized all of Jeremy's property. Right, right. Mm-hmm. That's the Federal Trade Commission. The Federal Trade Commission charges you. They, they have the ability to take your assets and take your money if they right. think that you... If they charge you civilly you, before they have to, right? Exactly. Okay. And so on a civil charge, so so civil stuff is different than criminal. For a criminal charge, that it's a completely different level. Okay. It rises. It, it's the bar is much higher for that. Okay. And Jamie testified that he did not do an investigation and that he hadn't spoken with any victim. That there, he he hadn't even looked for a victim really. Well, then, but they charged him criminally. What they did is they, Jamie used the FTC information and argued that he started saying things. He argued to the judge. In fact, in the hearing, there were 14 different times at the detention hearing where Jamie refers to an upsell as if it was illegal because in the FTC documents, they talked about an upsell. Let me, let me tell you. Yeah. What's an an upsell? upsell? I don't understand what that is. And how it Everyone ties to has this. experienced an upsell that's dealt with anything online. Okay. Or even or if you hear an ad on TV and you're like, hey, you can buy this a special right now, whether it's on TV or on the internet. Like, we we're running a special, call this number or go online at this. And you go online and you say, Yeah, I want to try those vitamins. Okay. Let's say it's vitamins. I want to try those. And then as you're checking out, they're like, Hey, if you Oh if you buy Two more bottles right now. Nah, you're going to get this be, heck of a deal. Yeah, okay. you're going to get this amazing okay. deal. That is an upsell. Okay. So upsells are obviously not illegal. No, because we've they're all everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everyone does it. Mm-hmm. Amazon. Every, Overst- everyone. Everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere you go. Buy one cookbook. If you buy three more, you'll get two free. Yeah. Yes. Gotcha. Uh-huh. Yes. So that was an upsell. And this was kind of new this is in 2010 this is i keep saying like this was in the internet was kind of the wild west Mm -hmm. and jamie was talking about upsells in his testimony because he hadn't done an investigation he admitted he had done no investigation he was just using the ftc documents and so he was trying to explain to the judge which he explained incorrectly what an upsell was okay as because he was explaining it as if it were something criminal Okay, so my question is, then why wasn't this thrown out, or was it? Like, if he doesn't have any background, and he hasn't done any research, and he's going off of something that was a civil suit, which is completely different than a federal investigation, why was this not just tossed? Well, Jeremy's attorney was fighting it. His public defender was really good. Okay. And he was fighting it. This is public defender number one. If the judge listens to the defense's argument Uh and listens to... The prosecutors, and he just agrees with the prosecutors, well... There you are. Okay. There you go. Okay. So He has to make a judgment, though. Yes. Okay. Well, obviously, duh. Judge, judgment. Hello. Yes, yes. (laughs) 
then it gets closer. Now, now we're looking at like, okay, remember the cr famous Krispy Kreme recording? Right, right. So that happens in 2012, and that actually happened. What we didn't know, Jeremy's attorney was asking, participating in helping Jeremy record things. Oh, okay. Because he knew if you've got public corruption, if you've got political officials doing things incorrectly, uh -huh. you need to get recordings of these things so you can use them to defend yourself. Okay. On this stuff. Well, they're kind of doing two things. They're they're doing one thing to the public, and then behind the scenes, they're like, "Hey, slip me this, pay me that, do this, and you'll be able to slide on through." So it's kind of yeah. So it's yeah. good to record. That's I think that's good advice from your attorney. So they end up having this meeting where, and, and this is very, very typical, where you meet with prosecution and, or your attorney meets with them in a case like this, because Jeremy is so smart, and this is such a really complex case as you're learning here, the prosecutors actually invited Jeremy to this meeting to discuss a plea hearing. That's a little bit unusual. Usually they just meet with the attorney and the attorney conveys like, okay, here's the plea offer. Okay. So, so that's unusual, but they had, it's like a PowerPoint presentation that they were presenting. Okay. And as part of that presentation, what they were explaining was. And this was with attorney number one. This is with attorney number one. Okay. And the two head prosecutors at that time, it was Brent and Rob. And remember Brent later, because we already, in the swallow thing, we learned that Brent later withdrew as lead counsel on Jeremy's case. Uh-huh. So that he could throw his hat in the ring to be the attorney general. Oh, that's right. Okay. But so this is we're actually going back a little bit so that I can explain this how that okay. what happened in the plea hearing. So while Brent was still part of that, they have this meeting, and in the meeting they do this PowerPoint and they are explaining to Jeremy. It becomes very argumentative, mm -hmm. and the, and I have a transcript of it, and I'm going to to read from it. It becomes quite argumentative, and and in that, Jeremy finally says like, look. We can talk all day, and I am never going to agree that anything that we did in business was illegal, and you're not going to agree that anything I did was illegal. Right. I just, Jerry right. said, you, you can talk all you want, and, right. I can sh and, and I can show you, and like I say, Jeremy was smarter than the average guy. Right. I believe he was absolutely right about that, and they were really frustrated by everything. So here's what they did. They said, if you don't accept a plea deal. Here's what we're going to do, Jeremy. And this was actually part of the PowerPoint. Oh, okay. Because they were charging Jeremy with conspiracy to commit bank fraud and bank fraud. They, they threatened to charge with all of those things. This is before he's charged with everything. He's facing one count of mail fraud at this point. Okay. And money laundering and all this stuff. So in this meeting, they tell him, Jeremy, if you do not cooperate and accept a plea deal on this, uh -huh. then we are going to go after the following people for- Oh, this is the list. This is the list. Okay. So they had a list, like we are gonna charge the following people. And those people were people Jeremy done business with. Right, uh, family. Some of, said, mm -hmm. yes, they had Jeremy's parents on there. Yes. Jeremy's in-laws. Right. His wife, Right. his brother. Yes. Some of his best friends that he'd been doing business with. Right. And they said, we're going to charge the following people with bank fraud. Half of them were charged with bank fraud. So the people that hadn't been involved in his business, like uh -huh. his parents and his in-laws and his wife, those people, they said they were going to charge them with money laundering because 
anyone that Jeremy had ever given money to, they said they right. didn't charge them with money laundering. Right. Okay, you talked about this earlier. Okay. Jeremy gets to the point, and in the recording, when I listened to this, they were really pressuring him, and, and Jamie was there also. He was my equivalent on this. Right. Jeremy actually confronts Jamie about his lies under oath. He said, you lied under oath. Oh. You said this and this and this. And it starts getting really, really emotional because it's incredibly emotional for Jeremy. Not only are they coming after Jeremy, now they're telling them we're going to come after your family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is how Jeremy responded. He says, you guys already know that I'm willing to plead guilty. And he was crying at this time. Mm -hmm. Like this man, it felt like, it almost felt like, I don't want to compare it to like emotional waterboarding, but it wasn't right. far from it to me. He says, you guys already know that I'm willing to plead guilty. So this whole trying to convince me I'm guilty, it's about as useful as me trying to convince you I'm not. Uh -huh. No matter what I show you, you're not going to be convinced that you're right, just like I am. He said, I'm, I'm willing to plead guilty to avoid you harming other people. When you put these co little caveats in there, in your thing where we went to anyone, like they're gonna, we're going to go to anyone that was connected to iWorks, his company. Mm -hmm. So Jeremy says, after I plead guilty, then what's to stop you from going and indicting all these people and wrecking their lives too, even right. though oh. you agreed not to? And that's a great question. Like, I, yeah. I can't trust you because I know exactly. I'm innocent. And now you're making, you're forcing my hand here. Yeah. What's the guarantee you won't go and, after him if I plead? Right. And so they argue a little bit, Rob argues and says, we can't guarantee you that we won't find a crime later, but for this part, we can, and so Jeremy's not feeling comfortable. Yeah, that's not and right. And they had specifically talked about Jeremy's father-in-law, who I think I had expressed before was an elementary school principal. Right. I know him. Right. He's like the sweetest man. Yeah. And so then Brent says, well, we're not going to tell you that it's not going to happen. We're just saying that if you agree to this part that we won't go after it. Jeremy goes on to say, I'm worried that there's going to be a loophole that you're going to get a deal with me. And the next thing I know, you have another way to bring indictments around this investigation and indict the people that I'm trying to protect. I will plead guilty to protect these people. And if you get a plan to circumvent that, indict them anyways, and harm them anyways, I would say I won't plead guilty. So they keep arguing. So then Brent says, no, that would be the end of the investigation if we get you. So Rob expresses this concern. Remember when I said about like Germany, that it says how we have laws in America that mm -hmm. prevent people from doing what Hitler did. So I got to tell you, this is so distressing to me to hear this. We have laws in America to prevent this sort of thing. You cannot charge a family member if someone doesn't take a plea. You want to know how awful, how evil that concept is? Do you know who else practiced it? Stalin. Stalin practiced it. He killed family members when they couldn't capture the actual person. Hitler practiced it. And one of the most famous cases that Hitler practiced it on was a case with a guy who actually was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize for his book called All Quiet on the Western Front. So he writes the book. He came up with the idea. He had served in the German military in World War I. And the idea was he decided, why are we going to war? Why are these powerful people making us go to war? Really, if that guy didn't have a uniform on showing that he was on the other side, he would look like a man just like me. Why should I kill him? And he wrote this book about it. And Germans were loving the book, so much so that 
Hitler actually banned the book. Those books were burned. And Hitler decided that this author, Eric Remarque, that he was committing treason. And so they charged him with treason. He fled Germany and actually made it to America where they took his book and turned it into a film and it won an Academy Award. It won an Oscar. Well, he had escaped. Hitler couldn't get him. So he thought had escaped the consequence. However, Hitler charged his sister with treason for his crime. And she was found guilty of treason because of what her brother had done. And her sentence was actually to behead her. And then after they executed her by beheading her, the Nazis actually sent a bill to her family for that execution. Now, I am not saying that the U.S. attorneys were trying to behead anyone or anything else, but this feels very similar to me where they're trying to charge a family member for someone else's crime. It seems totally wrong to me. Right. And I think Rob is uh, getting really sensitive about this because they've shown this PowerPoint and everything else. So Rob, the prosecutor, Rob speaks up and he says, let me voice a concern too. One thing that we can't do and you can't do, we wouldn't agree to it. You can't walk into a plea room in the future, into a courtroom is what he meant to say, in the future and say, I'm doing this to save everybody else. It doesn't work. The judge isn't going to accept that. Why not? Because part of what the judge will ask is, has anyone promised you anything in exchange for your guilty plea? He was promised stuff. So why can't he say that? Exactly. So then, so Jeremy responds and says, I'll tell the judge whatever you guys want me to say. If you leave my family and stuff alone. Yes. And so Rob says, we can't do that either. You're going to have to say everything we told him to say. It just doesn't work that way. So then Brent says, we can come up with a statement for you that you can read. His exact words are, it could be a statement of facts written out that we both agreed to ahead of time. Who Now, who said that? Brent, the lead okay. prosecutor. Okay. So they're they're saying, look, we can get around this judge thing by explaining this. So they're going back and forth, arguing about that. Then Jeremy says, I'll agree. I'll plead guilty. I just wanted to make certain that there is not some kind of trick where other people, that they will get indicted. That's my concern. That's why I wanted the meeting. If you're telling me that's not going to happen, then there's not any plans, then I think we have something that's agreeable with other small things that I would be like, whatever's in this, the, the guilty plea agreement. Then then they discussed, like, what charge it would be. And then Brent says, We didn't come in here necessarily to try to persuade you to our point of view, Jeremy. Your attorney asked for us to provide some documents and and provide a briefing as we've done. That's the reason we did this. Really? Yeah, that's not... Like, that's that's so ridiculous. I can't even... That's bullshit all the way around. It is. And so Jeremy says again, Sure, my concern, like you know, is my family and friends and people I care about. So I hear that you're going to indict them and he says there is nothing i won't do to stop you i know that better than anyone the enormous power that you wield. i know what it would do to their lives their reputations their finances i'll put a bullet in my head if you ask me to to stop it wow i'm fine with this and as he was giving this speech he was crying I was thinking, I've sat in a lot of plea negotiations. I've done a lot of plea negotiations. This, I had never seen before. For him to say, I'll put a bullet in my head if you ask me to, to stop it. I'm fine with this. 
but I swear you'll go straight to hell. Yeah. I'm going to sign so that you won't hurt anyone else. Yeah. And Brent says, Jeremy, we're sorry that it hurts anybody. We don't look at it as if we're the ones hurting anybody. We're just doing our duty. We're doing our job. No, they're trying to negotiate. They're not even negotiating. They're trying to weasel their way oh. around. Oh, it, so this is... it sounds like they know they don't have a case and they've put too much time and effort into it. And it comes across like they don't have a leg to stand on, but they're too proud to say that. Like, well, I've done all this and we're taking you down one way or the other. So if you don't do it, we'll go after somebody in your family. Right. That's not right. So, and, yeah, exactly. And Jeremy is just crying. He, and he's saying, hey, I will do anything to protect my family. Mm-hmm. And they had those people on the list. Right. right? The infamous list. The mm-hmm. infamous list. And Jeremy said, well, there are a few people that I want to add to make sure if I take this deal that they're protected. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to add some people. And they said, okay, yeah, let's just kind of, in business, they would say, let's like massage this deal. Let's massage okay. it. And, and so that's what they decide. Like, they get out of the meeting, and Jeremy's attorney is so upset. He says, Jeremy, they can't do this. They can't threaten your family to do this. And he and Jeremy get in a really big argument about it. As they're arguing, Jeremy's attorney admits to Jeremy, yeah, I do think that they probably would indict them and arrest them, but I don't think that they could convict them. But in fact, in their meeting... The prosecutor actually acknowledged that they likely wouldn't be successful in a prosecution of the people on the list, but that wasn't going to stop them from indicting and arresting his family members and loved ones. Right. And I think that's one of the, you know, we stand on the law of innocent until proven guilty, but when a case is this big and your name is dragged into it, your reputation and anything that you ever held dear is ruined long before you're ever proven innocent or guilty. And so I'm with Jeremy. I wouldn't want to drag my family and my kids and my parents and my in-laws and all of the friends that have stood next to me through all that kind of stuff. That's not Right. right. And when I talked to Jeremy about this, I said, Jeremy, were you really going to take this plea deal out? I mean, they, they were going to give him 10 years. Yeah. And he said, are you kidding? What would you do to protect your mom? Yeah, exactly. And I said, you are absolutely right. If my mom were going to go to jail for even a short time, just a few days. On something, something that they're trying to prove that, that you did, which you yeah, didn't. Yeah, right. of course. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So Jeremy sends an email to his lawyer Remember the list. He said, there are going to be some names that I want added. Right. So Jeremy put some names on the list, and he actually put John Swallow's name on that list. Okay. John was the attorney general. He was, yeah. at the time, he, and even though Jeremy recorded that Krispy Kreme recording, right. he did not want to see John facing all this crap that Jeremy was in. And right. I'll include John. I, and so John was on his list. There are a whole bunch of other people. I won't name everyone. Yeah. Uh, but his father-in-law, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And his attorney was saying, Jeremy, they can't do this. They can't. This is not right for them to do this. I don't like what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And his lawyer did not want Jeremy to take a plea deal, nor did he want him to participate in it. So they had actually discussed that maybe his attorney should withdraw and Jeremy just accept the plea himself. I mean, seriously, this is crazy stuff. Yeah. So Jeremy sends an email directly to the prosecutors. Here is the email. It says, 
Mr. Ward, this is Brent Ward, the lead prosecutor. It says, Mr. Ward, thank you for your time yesterday. As stated in the meeting, I am willing to accept your plea deal, and you have agreed that you will not prosecute any of the people I care about. Okay. My attorney does not agree with this, and I have asked him to submit a motion to withdraw as my counsel today. Like, this is how intense it was. And I think this was actually strategic because an attorney can't withdraw in the middle of something without a really good reason. And if they do withdraw, wow. they have to explain to the judge. So I think Jeremy, I think their plan was, I think he was smart enough that he was going to say, okay, you withdraw, and then this will... Okay. I think, now I don't know this because I didn't ask him specifically, and I haven't asked his attorney about this part specifically. But, but it seems like this could have been a plan. We don't know that it was a plan, but hindsight, like, wow, this could have been a great plan. Right. And so right. since Jeremy okay. says in the email that I've, yeah. I've asked my attorney to sub submit his motion to withdraw, he said, all future communications should be directly with me. I am eager to, to get an agreement signed. Also, nobody in my family knows about this, and it's important that it stays that way. I intend to spend my last few weeks with them in the best way possible. I am sure you can understand that. Uh, I'm sorry I'm getting emotional because there's a part of me that thinks Jeremy was planning to commit suicide instead of go to prison. Oh, really? He says no, but there's a part of me that thinks that was his plan because his family, he didn't oh. tell his family. And I could see me doing that. I could see me making a decision like that. Um, wow. Okay. Not that, like... I, I, you know, desperate people do desperate things. And, um, mm -hmm. so he says, I intend to spend the last, my last few weeks with them in the best way possible. I'm sure you can understand that. And I hope you will help me keep all these filings under seal. And that's why he wanted them sealed. Okay. But you know, it's also just as likely that he wasn't planning to commit suicide, but planning to accept the 10 years in prison and still either way, he would never have wanted his family to know that he did it to protect them. So either way, it makes sense to me that he wanted the record sealed. And he says, you have my email and here's my cell phone number. I'll make myself available for meetings at your office anytime you like. Thanks, Jeremy Johnson. This is absolutely unprecedented. This never, never happens. So okay. his attorney didn't file the motion to withdraw. Okay. He's a great attorney. He just continues. And so Jeremy convinces his attorney to file a change of plea hearing. Oh my gosh, you will not believe what goes down at this hearing. It is huge. The media is everywhere. And Brent and Rob are sitting in the front. Now those emails have gone back and forth. And you can imagine if Jeremy's taking this plea deal to protect his family, he wants it in writing on the record that that's what he gets in exchange for it. And Brent Ward had agreed to put that on the record under seal okay. about the list. So they get to this change of plea hearing and Jeremy's ready to do it. And as part of it, they have him stand up. Okay, are these, this is your plea. This is how you want to plea. Yes, it is your honor. They get to the questions that they ask someone when they're pleading guilty. And they get to the big question that we've been talking about. And the judge says, has anyone promised you anything as part of this a plea agreement? And Jeremy says, yes, your honor. I think it's freaking genius of Jeremy to do that. Because remember, okay. I read you the part where, where Rob was saying, hey, uh, we can't have you saying Don't that. Don't do it. Have... Don't and do Brent it. said, yeah. we'll work out language so you can actually read a statement. 
I think this is where uh, Jeremy goes rogue. I didn't confirm it. This is okay. just my thinking. This just makes sense to me. Okay. I think Jeremy goes rogue to be like, screw you guys. Like, you think, like, this is the only thing he can do. Plus, he actually has to do it because he has to get that list on the record. Remember, Brent Ward had agreed to put it on the record. So he has to say that so that it can go on the record under seal. <laughs> he says, I have been promised that my family and others I care about were not going to be arrested in exchange for my plea. He then tells them about the list Brent Ward gave him and the one that he gave him. And Brent Ward agrees that he is aware of the list and he has agreed to the deal. And he allows the judge to put the list on the court's record. After the lists are admitted into the record, Brent Ward's boss, the head U.S. attorney, comes up from the audience and stops the hearing. They ask for a recess, and they all, everyone goes into the back rooms to discuss the issues. And it becomes apparent that Brent Ward had not told his bosses anything about the threats and subsequent promises he'd made to get Jeremy to plead guilty. And then Brent Ward and his bosses tell him that they're not going to allow any of their promises to be on the court records and that Jeremy's just going to have to trust them that they will keep their word. And this, of course, was not acceptable to Jeremy, and so he refused to plead guilty. And it's all recorded on the record. It's part of the court record. It's on there. And for a moment, that list had been displayed up on the court screen for everyone in the courtroom to see. And when the reporter saw that John Swallow was on the list, you can imagine this freaked everyone out. They couldn't figure out what Jeremy Johnson's now protecting John Swallow. And the whole thing blew up. It was so crazy. And then afterwards, the U.S. Attorney's Office was so panicked that on a Sunday, they did a press release, no less denying what is clear from the court's own records, that there was a list and John Swallow was on it. Holy crap, this is amazing stuff. It never happens. I have never seen that, anything like this in other cases. So after this, Jeremy was terrified. You can imagine that Brent Ward would actually make good on his promises and indict his family. So Jeremy and his family were all emailing the head U.S. attorney, David Barlow, begging him for a meeting before a grand jury was held and that all of Jeremy's family and loved ones were indicted. Of course, the head U.S. attorney never responded to those. He refused to meet with them. And then a few months later, the federal judge issued the infamous gag order prohibiting Jeremy and anyone from saying anything negative about the government. And the judge explained in that hearing about the gag order, explained to Jeremy that going to the media was not the place to discuss complaints against the government, that if he has a complaint, he should file a motion to file a complaint with the court, which Jeremy had done a few months earlier. And he got a letter back saying that they weren't going to look at the complaint because he has a pending case against him. So it was all a big catch-22. So in December of 2013, when I was in the middle, after about when I was getting fired the first time from the House investigation, ABC National News was investigating all of this because it was involving Senator Harry Reid, remember. And they had actually gone to Vegas to look at the hard drives that I was trying to get permission to find. And they were hoping to find the same recordings I was hoping to find. And they actually 
because I had to go through government red tape. They got in there much sooner than I did. And they spent two days with their IT experts going through every hard drive that had been seized from Jeremy's business. And everyone had been found except for Jeremy's hard drives. They were nowhere to be found. And in the receiver's log that keeps track of who goes into that warehouse, it showed that Brent Ward and his crew had been there before them four times prior to the ABC National News visiting there. And they also made note that the property where all of these hard drives were kept, all of the evidence was kept, that warehouse was actually owned by Senator Harry Reid. I do have one question. You know, the list is going, the plea, all of that. Yeah. Did John Swallow know that Jeremy put him on the list to keep him out? No, Is there I don't any so. time that John Swallow does not feel that Jeremy Johnson is coming after him? Or did he feel like he was coming after him? Does anyone I, know? Do we know I that? think in the Krispy Kreme recording, if you go back and listen to parts of that, John Swallow, I don't think anybody was really trusting anybody. No, no I don't think so either. I think it had gotten to a I, level it was like, this thing's going to blow and I don't want to be anywhere well, near it. And then what happens is when, when people are facing criminal charges, like... They usually, most people just plead out, they'll say anything, yeah. and you'll hear that, that this will come up in this trial, and I've shown it in other cases where witnesses will lie, mm-hmm. that the feds will pressure them, the police will pressure them, mm-hmm. and they will do it to protect themselves. That's sure. what usually happens. Yeah. And because of that, no, I don't think that John knew that Jeremy really was trying to protect him. Okay. I but really now don't. it's hit. now it's hit the airwaves. Now the news knows, so it's got to have been put out in print somewhere that was. there was a list and John Swallow yes. was on the list to be protected. Yes, yes. So has Jeremy but Johnson I, ever had any contact that you know of with John Swallow since this whole nope. thing? No. Nope. Is that nope. part of the deal he can't? Or is that a, I'm not talking to you and don't you talk to me kind of a thing. I think on both sides. No, knowing Jeremy, I know Jeremy would be happy to talk to John. Mm-hmm. He'd probably welcome it. I don't know John like I know Jeremy. Mm-hmm. I would be surprised if John would want to talk to Jeremy. His whole life went in up in flames. Yes, it did. It so. did. And we'll learn later that it, they really weren't after John. They really weren't there there's a much bigger target they were trying to protect. Sure. And John I think was collateral damage. Yeah. I think so, too. I think there was a lot of collateral, and I think it started yeah, with Jeremy. There's a, there's a lot. Yeah. Jeremy, yep, mm-hmm. for sure. And I th- also think that had this plea deal gone through, it would have ended there. He would have served 10 years or whatever the yep. years he were, oh, absolutely. and it would have been done. Everybody else yes. would have just like, oh, whoosh, walked yep. away. Woo. Mm-hmm. Oof, just wipe their foreheads. This is like, wow. Dodge Got the through by the skin of our teeth. Right. Yeah. Okay. And thank, and thank you, Jeremy, for taking the heat for us. Yeah, yes. exactly. Someone's yeah. got to go down. Sucks yeah. to be you kind of a thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And here's kind of a funny thing real quick. Brent Ward, after the whole story blew up and the media was freaking out that Jeremy Johnson had put John Swallow's name on this list to protect him and that was part of the plea deal, which meant Brent Ward and the U.S. Attorney's Office was agreeing to it. Apparently that made Brent Ward look bad because <laughs> I later learned from... Tom Harvey with the Salt Lake Tribune that Brent Ward called him twice 
even though there was a gag order in place that they couldn't talk to the media, that Brent had called him twice to tell him to stop doing negative stories about him and demanded that he change the story, recant it, and redo it, which the Salt Lake Tribune refused to do. Oh man, this is a crazy case. You won't believe this stuff. This is just the beginning, people. You will not believe all the twists and turns in this case. Keep on listening. This is going to be a long one, but hang on to your hats. We're going to have a wild ride. Thanks for listening to Pamela Private Eye. Thank you.